Doug and I met back in 2022, I believe. Yes, at the Spiritual Formation Conference. Is that when you spoke? Yeah, so if you guys were here and Ted spoke last month, Ted Wiesty, he hosts a conference every year. Good dude. He's a good dude. And Doug was preaching that week, and or teaching, I don't know what you would call that, more teaching probably, talking, talking about stuff, uh, Jesus. And we met afterwards. I sent him an email. I come to find out Doug was a professor at ASU. I thought he was just a teacher in the church, but you taught at ASU for how long? How many years? 28 and a half. My first time on this campus. This is his very first time. Wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, well, I was telling Matt before that I had to pay for parking at the West Camp campus <laughs> the whole time I, I worked there. <laughs> I retired, and I'm an emeritus professor, and they gave me a free parking permit to all the campuses. <laughs> <laughs> now that you don't need it. Retired, yeah, yeah, now that you don't need it. So it's good to be here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you got to yeah. use it. Parking's free on Sundays, by the way, just so you know. All right. Um, let me make sure you're on back here. I don't hear you coming through. I didn't know if we were going to compete with each other. Oh, you're good. Yeah, you can turn it on. Go ahead. He's trustworthy, okay. especially with a new haircut. Am I good? He's got it. You are trustworthy. Yeah, he's trustworthy. I like it. All right, well, I'm going to just pray over Doug. Um, he's going to talk about forgiveness yeah. this morning and spiritual formation. And so let me say a quick prayer. Okay. You can get right into it. Let's okay. It, yeah, Father, thank you for my brother. Thanks for his willingness to drive two and a half hours from Heber to come <laughs> teach us this morning. Thank you that your Holy Spirit is initiating with us this morning. You're the great initiator. And you're asking us to cooperate with your formation into Christ-likeness. And we want that. And we want it to be for the sake of others. God, I know that you move us towards a missional space. That when we love you, we start to fall in love with those around us. And we have a ridiculous love. A laughable, just radical, deeply rooted love that goes beyond offense. And so I pray that you would give Doug uh, wisdom. And that you would inspire him this morning as he teaches us. Open our hearts and minds to whatever you want to say to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right. Brother. Thank you, man. All right. I'm going to use this. Uh, yeah, so I, uh, I drove down. I got a couple of other things to do, but I was in Hebrew Overguard. We have a little cabin up there this morning. 55 degrees when I woke up, just so you know. Um, and uh, so that's how committed I am to Matt and to you all that I'd be willing to leave that to be here. Here we go. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? I'm going to try working from my iPad, but we'll, we'll see how that works, okay, for this. The, um, uh, and uh, so we talked about ASU professor, I'm in the communication department, or was, retired a year ago uh, from ASU, and uh, taught at Seattle Pacific University, a Christian university in the same family of universities as Wheaton and Biola and Westmont and all those. So you might know some of those as Azusa Pacific. Um, and uh, so I was five and a half years in Seattle. And then we moved back to Phoenix. I grew up here, uh, born and raised in Phoenix, and um, moved back because our family was here and we were having kids and that kind of thing. So those of you with kids, know what that's like, and you go to soccer games, everybody else's grandparents are there, but not yours, when we were in Seattle, and uh, we just, we wanted to hang out with our family, and uh, while I was at ASU, I finished up a line of research, 
And I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, and I thought, I'm just going to do this funky little study where I ask people how they forgive each other. And so that was, gosh, I don't know, 22, 23 years ago. And we asked people to tell us stories about when they had been forgiven and when they had forgiven somebody and when they needed forgiveness and how they asked about that. And that launched uh, over two decades of research that we did. I'm a social scientist uh, on forgiveness. Um, but you can't teach that stuff without people making personal application of it. And it opened up beautiful, beautiful spaces uh, for talks with students on campus. Um, I was real involved with Young Life Ministry on that campus, so we were doing stuff out of there, as well as speaking places like this. Um, and uh, so I'm, I'm thankful to be here. I'm, I'm now... Um, uh, I was a religious studies major at Westmont College, um, and uh, and then and at ASU actually <laughs> before Westmont, um, and uh, and right now I'm serving as a spiritual director um, uh, as well. So I've been around the faith for quite a while, uh, and we're going to spend some time just kind of sitting with forgiveness. There's a lot about it, and um, I'll just mention now because I'll forget later, but. Later, Matt's got my contact information and a website um, that I do. It's barely a website, but it is there. And under a resource tab, there's some stuff about forgiveness. Because um, today we're not really going to talk about how we forgive. We're going to talk about why forgiveness is so central to God's heart. Why does it make such a difference? Why is it so radical to think about um, forgiveness? And that's really what we're going to talk about. And some other time, if you'd like, um, uh, we can talk about how do you actually do it. Because <laughs> like, it's not easy. It's just not easy. In fact, some of the people that I've dealt with that have the most trouble with forgiveness are really people of faith. Not just a Christian faith, other faiths that believe in forgiveness too, but but certainly Christians who, who think that forgiveness basically means that you stuff your emotions away and you put on a smile and you keep acting nice towards somebody. And that's just deadly for the most part, for most of us. Um, so, um, so sometime we can talk about that more if we want to. <laughs> and I told Matt, I'll, I'll hang out afterwards if you have questions for me afterwards. So um, let's just take a second um, we'll take about one minute. Maybe close your eyes, take a couple of deep breaths, and um, and just kind of listen to what's going on inside of you about this forgiveness topic. I've already been talking about it. What what does the word forgiveness conjure up for you? What do you think about? Maybe it's a memory. Maybe there's an emotion associated with it. Let's take a second and sit with that for a second and see what bubbles up for you. I have a couple of people who would be willing to share what came to mind. It doesn't even have to be very Christian-y or churchy. <laughs> you don't even have to like forgiveness. I'll say this again later. I never push forgiveness on people. It's a process. 
it's part of our development and how we begin to see God's heart and we develop into it. But, but if someone has hurt you in a terrible way and then I came along and said, you're not dealing with that in a good way, not, not only did this happen to you, but now you're screwing up how, you, how you're managing it, right? I'm like re-victimizing yourself again, right? I really am not interested in that. Because right? we're all in process, right? We're all growing. We're all developing and moving. And, uh, and so, um, so what's, what's on your mind? What, what comes to mind when you think about forgiveness? And it can be great positive stuff too. Resolution? Okay. Yeah. Some sense of closure. Yeah. What else? Somebody else? All can be forgiven. Yeah, that's it's interesting how that comes up. And there's some research actually about things that people say can't be forgiven, and just like, and I've had plenty of students who are like that. I could forgive this and this and this, but if anybody does this to me, uh-uh. Yeah, usually not always, but usually those for younger people. The longer you live, the more you realize. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you know the, the old saying, um, only the good die young? Uh, there's a flip on that that says, only the young die good, right? Like, you live long enough, you're going to make a few mistakes along the way. <laughs> there's a humility that comes with that. Um, yeah. Other things that come to mind? What about tolerance? Tolerance. It's, it's, and you get that as you get older. Yeah. Life is full of challenges anyway. Yeah, it is. Kids, work, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. The tolerance of flipping around saying, what is he coming from? Yeah. I deal with the criminal justice community, so sometimes. Yeah, oh, I love this. In its face, it's wrong. Yeah. In its face, it can't be tolerated. It can't be. But if you look and and flip around and go, okay, now I understand why this happened. Yeah. Why you did this. I love it. I I have to think that there's some degree of tolerance that you have to not to accept, you just have to try to understand. Yeah, thank you. That's a couple of things out of that real quickly that really aren't going to be exactly what we talk about. That's why I want to respond to it is um, and if you look at the material that I have up online, one of the questions that I like to ask that this isn't you don't ask this question with attitude. You ask it really with wondering and curiosity, but it's like, what happened to you? There's an exercise on there where um, uh, a spiritual exercise where you begin to think of this other person like they were when they were a child. None of us is born just trying to hurt other people and make other people miserable in their lives. Oh my gosh, what happened to you? Can you imagine if you could if you could reel back and see a reel of them playing at age three? Just, I'm going to see my grandson today. He's he's. Um, two years and three months. He's just all joy, except when he really wants something and he's not getting, right? He's two. He is two. And, but he's so just out there. He doesn't know. He doesn't know anybody else's feelings are being hurt or that you're frustrated or whatever. He doesn't know. He's just out there. We're all that way. What happened back there? The other thing I want to mention is that as we talk about forgiveness, we're never excusing bad behavior or hurtful behavior. 
right? So my dad did some things to hurt me. It wasn't a, like abusive, abusive, right? But it was just some stuff. And I get it. I look at his family. He grew up in Glendale in the 30s on a farm. with. He was one of 10 kids. So what kind of like social skills do you think he grew up with? If you met my grandparents, you would know. <laughs> he didn't grow up with them, all right? And uh, so I get it. But at the same time, he was an adult who could have made some choices. He had other people speaking into his life, encouraging him to do things, and he just didn't. So there's this tension that we hold with forgiveness oftentimes. I understand it. I get it. There's a humanizing aspect to that, which we'll talk about a little bit here. Right? But then at the same time, you're also you're responsible. You can make some choices as an adult. Right? So I'm never saying that if something bad happened to you that you just have to say, hey, it's okay. It wasn't that bad. Right? That's just a nice way of coping in the short run or maybe long run. <laughs> There's some of that. So let me, um, thank you for sharing all of you did that. I'm going to move this up just a little bit. I can never be too close. Okay. <laughs> it's like the splash zone in the, in the front. You sort of put little, like, little stuff on there. Like. The, um, so I, I want to mention a couple of things as we just jump in, and we're going to look at Matthew 5. But before we do that, I want to mention a couple of things that set some guidelines. So we just talked about that for, for, we're never talking about excusing bad or hurtful behavior that forgiveness is not about excusing. It's not just about avoiding. There are a lot of people who are quick forgivers, but what they really are are avoiders. <laughs> just, so we can be really good at that. They're like, hey, you know, I'm sorry. I did, you know, whatever. You're like, hey, no problem, no problem. You're like, no, no, really. This is a problem. This is, shouldn't be. No, it's good, it's good, it's good. Right? So it's all fine at one level, like in, on kind of surface stuff. But, um, but it's not... Jesus didn't tell us to forgive so that we could just avoid things that happen that are difficult in our lives. It's not weakness. A lot of times people think of forgiveness as weakness. It's letting in. They, 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 they're going to take a strong position on this. They're going to stand up against this. But forgiveness was unbelievably difficult and courageous act if we do it well. Um, and, I'm, and this one, I want to make sure you know, <laughs> forgiveness is not reconciliation. It sets the groundwork for reconciliation. Although we can actually reconcile without forgiveness also. We do that all the time. Your mom's like, Are you, you're coming, right, for 4th of July, whatever? Like, oh, no, 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 Rebecca, last time, uh-uh, I just, I'm not ready to talk to her please, just for me, your mom's looking at you, and you're like, all right, I'll show up. So there's a, like a little level of reconciliation that you're being nice and polite for your mom, and you move on. We all do stuff like that all the time. So there are different levels of reconciliation. You don't really need full forgiveness for that. Right? And we can get by with that. But we can forgive someone and then say, you know what? I just, we've been friends a long time, but... Um, I'm in kind of a different place now, and I still don't really know what I think about all of it. I, like, I forgive you, but I'm just not ready to stay in the friendship right now. It's just a good, healthy boundary. That doesn't mean they're going to hear it that way. 
you, you might think that I'm one-upping you, and you're like, oh, yeah, because you're so good, and I never make a mistake. I'm like, I didn't say that. Right? So yeah, you have to know, right? This is not clean and neat, all of this stuff. But the problem is, when we think that forgiveness and reconciliation are the same thing, is then we come to church, and we hear that we're supposed to forgive, and then what about the uncle that abused you when you were a kid? No, you do not need to reconcile. You could if he changed and he came and asked for forgiveness and you were in a healthy place. Sometimes we don't reconcile just because we're not ready. I would love to be over the hurt. I'm just not yet. <laughs> just not. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. But forgiveness is a choice. It is an action that we take. And more importantly, what we're going to talk about this morning, it is a way to access God's heart, the centrality of who God is. So um, in uh, Matthew 5, right, so we have the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. There are a couple of things that Jesus does in there and the Beatitudes and other things. And, um, and then um, he says in verse 17, don't, don't assume that I came to throw away the law. I didn't. I didn't come for that. But then he proceeds to do this. <laughs> I just, I love this section. I just fell in love with this about a year ago. I started just reading this and going through it. He goes through, he says, you've heard it said, don't murder. But hey, I'm going to tell you, if you call your brother an idiot, it's the same thing. What? What are you talking about? It's not the same thing. Oh, okay. How about adultery? You've heard not to have adultery. I'm going to tell you, if you lust after a woman, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Wait, seriously? Wait, okay, you've heard it said. Do you see what he's doing? <laughs> he's saying, I did not come to do away with the law, but what I am going to tell you to do right now is like what the law is for. <laughs> you've kind of missed the point of why the law is here. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye. Right? But I'm going to tell you to turn the other cheek. Right? This is, he's saying this to an oppressed people right? that are living under Roman oppression. You've heard it say, love your neighbor. But I'm going to tell you, like, what credit is that to you? Everybody does that. I'm going to say, do you love your enemies? What are you talking about? And then he sums up for us, right, in a different place, but you can sum up the whole law and the prophets. You all know it, right? Love God with all your heart, love your neighbor. That's it. The law is there to help you work that out a little bit. It's loving God and loving your neighbor I used to ask my students in my family communication class, why do we punish our kids? And they'd look at me like, is this a quick trick question? <laughs> They're like, no, I'm like, why? Like, because they do bad things. <laughs> and you're like, all right, okay. Then, and then why do we punish people for doing bad things? Um, because it's irritating. <laughs> I'm like, that's true. If you've been a parent, you know, in your lesser moments as a parent, it's just because it's irritating. <laughs> just stop it. I'm just going crazy. In our better moments, right, it's because we want our kids to grow up 
into a fullness of who they are as human beings, as adults, as responsible citizens and family members. My son that I'm going to see today uh, with his son Jack and uh, um, dropped out of high school when he was 17 while I was teaching the family communication class. <laughs> Later, he went back to school. He entered it back in my class. And uh, so during that time, it was a rough go for a number of years. <laughs> and the, um, you're like, what was my goal? Just that, like, hey, he's hurt us, and he's going to get hurt back equally. And again, in my lesser moments, maybe. <laughs> you know. But when I was a better parent, my goal was how do we get him to a place where he's healthy and growing? And I, I can't tell you what it means to me to watch him be a dad to his two-year-old. That's it. That's why. Yeah, so what's the law there for? It's so we grow up into who we're supposed to be, right? So forgiveness is going to bring for us, right, for, for Jesus, it's bringing to us into focus what's already been there. He came in such a radical form to say, you're all big on keeping these laws, the Pharisees, all on keeping all of this stuff, but I'm going to tell you that you're missing something in this whole process. And he says, I'm going to tell you that what I'm really going to do is I'm going to move you from what has been called like an exchange perspective. And it's interesting because in the social sciences, we've actually talked about, a lot of people have, <laughs> relationships as social exchange, a social exchange theory. It's like viewing relationships as an economic enterprise. And there's some truth to that. You have a sense of fairness when you feel like you're putting more into a relationship than somebody else. It doesn't feel fair to you. And that's a key justice word for us, is it's not fair. Right? Your kids said that to you. As kids, you said that. It's not fair. And what did your parents say? Life isn't fair. Right? You know, so, so you get that back. Right? So, so forgive, or the, um, the justice is important, and I want to say that right up front. A lot of people have trouble with forgiveness, by the way, because they think it sets justice to the side, but it really doesn't. But justice is important to us, but justice is limited. Right? We need something that goes beyond justice. And here's what I mean by that real quickly, and then we'll look at a, a verse where Jesus just takes this exchange idea and throws it upside down. So what if a close friend of yours tells a secret and, uh, and um, that you had entrusted to them? Like, how do you make that right? How do you balance it? How do you make it even? How do you make it fair? I, you've damaged my, my um, persona, my public persona, right? My reputation. There is no way to go back to that. The spouse has an affair. So what? You should have an affair, and now we're even? Right? Though you might have heard it say that, like, with eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth, right? If that leaves the world basically blind and hungry eventually, right? <laughs> if eventually, if we play that out, no one can see, right? <laughs> and no one can eat anything that they can't gum anymore. Or a partner ignores your pleas to stop smoking and gets lung cancer angry about that. 
This isn't just your choice for your life. It's me you're leaving behind. Betrayal. Or a loved one's killed by a teenage drunk driver. What do we do? What if, even with the death sentence, does that make it okay? That your loved one's gone? No, there's, it's never okay. Right? So justice falls short in these places. Is it important in that process? Sure. But can it be the complete answer there? I was just emailing with someone yesterday who said whose son um, committed suicide and um, because of some outside pressures that were happening, 21-year-old. And he said, so we've done this and this and this that we needed to do first. But what we still need, and oh, and then he said, but they haven't brought the resolution we hope for. But so now what we need is justice and to bring those people to justice. It's too early for me to say this to him, but justice isn't gonna resolve it perfectly either, right? It doesn't mean justice shouldn't be there and people who are accountable and kind of pushing this young man into those places shouldn't be accountable. But if they think that that's going to resolve everything for them inside, it's not completely. So what do we do? So in Matthew 18, I think because of time, I'm not going to actually read this out of the scripture. Is that okay? because I don't want to keep you here all night. I told Matt, and Matt's like, yeah, 20 minutes or so if you go over, you know what? I'm like, I can't do my name in 20 minutes. Like, I can't, okay. So the, um, I always said, like, as a professor, you take 10 minutes of information and stuff it into a 50-minute class session, right? You know, and you're like, did you write anything down yet? You know, and you're like, no. So, um, so in Matthew 18, there's a, um, a parable called the unforgiving serv- um, servant. Interestingly enough, it comes after Peter asks Jesus, he says, okay, like, how many times should I forgive my brother if he does something against me? Right? Seven? (laughs) Peter thought, this sounds like a lot. (laughs) Right? And Jesus is like, no, I tell you 70 times seven. What? What are you talking about? And then he tells this parable. And basically, there's a, a, a landholder and he brings um, uh, servants together that owe him money uh, to exact the money from him. And, um, and there's this, <laughs> this guy who owes him. The way the language is used, there's a couple of different thoughts about it, but estimates are that owed him anywhere from 20 years wages to uh, some people have estimated about $6 billion in today's language, the way the language is. But essentially, the language that was used, it was the largest Greek number that they could use at the time and the largest um, 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 unit of uh, currency. And so he's basically saying he owed him as much as he could. There's no way to pay it back. And so he gets thrown into prison, right? Essentially, the way they did it in the old days, right? You throw you into prison, which just seems amazing to me. Like, and then how am I supposed to pay you back? And, um, and then he please, and he says, please, right? Don't throw me in. And, the, and the, the master says, okay, all right, right? He forgives him the debt. So that guy goes out, finds somebody who owes him money, and when the guy falls down and says, wait, I need more time to pay this back, and you show some grace for him, he throws him into debtor's prison. But that information gets back 
to the master. And so he comes back and finds that slave and says, look, what, what he essentially says to him, if you want to live by those rules, then you get to, right? You're going to go into the debtor's prison until you pay me back. At the end of that parable, Jesus says, and this will happen to you too, unless you forgive others with your heart. It's, people miss this little part right at the end of it. Unless you forgive others with your heart. C.S. Lewis, his idea of hell basically was God will give you what you want. <laughs> it was essentially, if you want to live without God, God isn't going to force you into anything. And here, basically the master is saying, if you want to play by this currency rule, if you want to play by a straight exchange system on this and the way it works, right, that, hey, you did $20 you know, dollars of damage, you owe me $20 of damage, it's all just straight, whatever goes back and forth, right, you can live that way. But I'm telling you that you're free to be out of that if you choose to live in a different way where you want to forgive others with their heart. So Matt was telling the, the um, beautiful image of being in prison, right, with the forgiveness and Jesus coming and saying you can come out. And what I kept thinking of was this, that, that God is going to let you live like you want to in a sense. Who put you in that prison? You. <laughs> you did. This guy in this parable he was free not to be in prison, except that he chose to live in a way that didn't recognize grace and forgiveness. And God's like, you want to play by those rules? You can. Here's the consequence. You're going to find yourself in prison with a debt you're never, ever going to pay back. I've watched, this, this will miss some of you that are a little younger, but Back in the, remember the O.J. Simpson trials? <laughs> and uh, I wasn't going to share this. So I've forgotten the name of the woman that was killed. What was her name? Nicole. Oh, Nicole. And, and her, her dad, do you remember him? He was going to implode. And, and I'm like, hey, no judgment, right? This is his daughter, right? But I, I just, every time I saw this guy, I thought, oh, my gosh, I hope at some point there's enough healing to release you from this because you are putting yourself in your own prison, right? You're locking yourself up. When Jesus is opened the door and said, you can come out. By the way, do you notice where Jesus is when you're in a prison with the door shut? He's not in there. He's out here. In your, in your little story, he was out here. Or <laughs> somewhere you're like, I'm in here. It becomes a subtle form of works. If I punish myself enough, I finally think I can be with you. And he's saying, my gosh, you don't need to do that. So let's just think for a second about the prodigal son. The thing I love about this story, in, in case someone here hasn't really heard this, basically a son comes to his father before the time that he would, and he's a younger son, he, the inheritance really isn't due to him, it's really due to his brother, but he comes and he says, Dad, I just want my portion of the inheritance, I'm out, I'm gone. And he leaves, he squanders it on rough living <laughs> in every single way. 
And then eventually, when he's in the pigsty, basically, <laughs> living with pigs, I imagine him eating the corn on the cob husks and stuff that are thrown in, in there with them. He realizes, oh my gosh, my father's servants live better than this. I should just go back and tell him I'm sorry and that I just, I'm willing to just live as a servant. He comes back up. He's rehearsing his little I'm sorry speech. He's coming up the road and the dad spots him. And you remember what happens? Yeah, he runs to him. He runs to him. There's no apology at this point. There's no, I'm sorry, he doesn't even know why the kid's coming back. Maybe he forgot something that he wanted, I don't know. He runs, he sprints to him. And before the son can get anything out of his mouth fully, he puts the robe, the, he basically the robe, he's bringing the ring, all of this stuff that says you are part of the family. You are in. And interestingly, I, I used to joke when I would tell, tell that parable um, about, now, Jesus didn't go on to say like the next morning that they, around the breakfast table to have a little talk. If you're going to be back in the household, here we go. And, um, and I started thinking about that more recently, and I thought, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe the Father's love the sprinting coming down is enough for the transformation. And the son might even initiate to say, can we talk about my place here? <laughs> I'd like to know a little more. I'm so grateful to be back. So I'm going to finish with, with a... Um, Some, some words and some thoughts from a man who was a missionary in India back in the 1930s. And um, he's talking about um, washing people's feet. Culture, especially back in the 30s, but even today in spots, right, very much like where Jesus grew up. And so it was common when you came into somebody's household for the feet to be washed because you might have bathed and washed your hair and done all of those things or put oil in your hair. Um, and you come in, but it's, the roads are dusty and dirty, and so it's proper to do that. And, um, and so um, it's interesting that, you know, in the Last Supper where Jesus washes the disciples' feet, that Peter, good old Peter, right, it's like, no, Lord, I, this was the job of a servant. You'll never wash my feet. And then Jesus says, then you'll, you have no part of me. Yeah. You have no part of me. It's interesting, Jesus said, you remember the story too with the woman that, that uh, um, uh, was likely a prostitute that had broken the, the bottle of perfume and washed his feet and all of that. And the Pharisee basically talks to Jesus like, do you know what, what, what are you doing? You know what kind of woman this is? And he says, um, she loves much because she's been forgiven much. Right? So when we, haven't, when we don't know our own need for forgiveness, when we don't know our own space that way, then we don't, we don't love either. Right? It's, it's just the same principle. He's, what he's saying to Peter is, 
like unless you realize and let me cleanse that part of you, right, then you're not going to have a part of me because you don't even recognize your need for it. This is what you need. And, And so Andrews, this missionary, when he talks about this, says that Jesus took the form of a servant, stooping down to the ground to wash away the travel stains from our soiled feet. When Jesus, or when Peter said, nothing, you know, you can't do this to me, and Jesus says, then you have no part of me, then, Jesus, then Peter again goes like, then do it all, right? Wash all of me. And, he, and what Jesus says, like, you don't need that, Peter. You're already, like, beautiful who you are. You're already clean in who you are. It's just the travel stains getting here that need continual cleaning. You're mine. So Andrews finishes with this. He says, in the feet washing, in the new commandment, because it's right in that space where Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you. Do you remember what it is? (laughs) Love one another. Again, this is one of those places where you're like, seriously? (laughs) Matt comes up here, I have this whole great plan for 23, 24. We're going to love one another. How about bigger banners? How about, do we have another plan? We're like, no, that's the plan. You're going to love one another. So he's washing the feet, and he gives them the new commandment. Andrew says, Feet washing in the new commandment, taken together, we had an injunction laid upon us to cleanse away by perfect Christian humility and grace the evil which our brother and sister might be committing, often perhaps unaware. For in this way, Christ commanded us to wash one another's feet. His own act signified a cleansing of sin. There's something in the washing of the feet. It's the prodigal coming back. And the father's love is the cleansing. (laughs) Our loneliness of heart and tender love toward others ought to carry with it the same effect as silent cleansing. If we were pure enough, right? He recognizes we're not. (laughs) If we were pure enough, we might help others to see for themselves what was inwardly wrong without judging them or becoming censorious. It's possible in this very way to radiate goodness, which has a cleansing power. Nothing can be more Christ-like than this. My son, who I'll see today, we're super close. Um, I didn't need to tell him very much about what he was doing wrong in those days. He knew. At one point, I wasn't going to share this, but at one point, we kicked him out of the house. He had done some things. He would crossed some line. And he went back to his room to kind of get ready, and it was killing me. And, um, and so I came back, 
I just had to hug him. I came back and I just hugged him. I just said, I just love you. And he was hugging me and his head was buried in my neck even though he's two inches taller than I am. He's like, I love you too, Dad. And he's just shaking and I'm shaking. And then he says to me, it's not your fault. (laughs) He tells me this. It's not your fault. It's my choice. We just held each other. But I have to believe that those tears in that space, that foot washing in one sense, provided some cleansing in that space. It was a place where he could see. And then eventually, out of that space, he turned and he found that road to come back home. And he did come back home. There are no guarantees. He might not have. Not everybody's feet we wash. Are they going to recognize what's happened in the cleansing? Um, So I'm going to pray. One last comment so I don't forget. Um, There's some stuff on the website, too, about self-forgiveness. It's a hard thing for a lot of Christians. I can forgive you, but my my own failure, my own lacking, my own mistakes, I'm having a really, really hard time with, even though I believe in grace of God. And, um, and so the stuff that we've been talking about here applies to you, how God views you. But then it also creates this beautiful space for us to be the grace of Christ as we come to others um, with a healthy form of, of forgiveness. So let's pray. Father, um, wow, just, this is so counterintuitive in some ways. And it's, um, as you've said, it doesn't throw the wall away. It just takes it to its rich kind of ending space to what it was intended for all along. I pray that you would help us to understand and know deeply your heart, your heart for us, your forgiveness of us, your desire for us to grow, to come back, to put the ring on our finger and the cloak around us to wash our feet. We ask, Lord, for the courage and humility and love to do that for others as well. In the name of Christ Jesus, amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Life and Rhythm podcast. If you'd like to know more about Rhythm Community Church, you can go online at rhythm.community. Peace.